0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning everybody. How lovely to see you. Thank you Spencer or should I call you Spence? I think I'm old enough to be your mum. <laughs> what a beautiful setting this is and I'm so thrilled to be here. Ah, let's see. Uh, move with the wind Find the right mix, explore yourself, discover others. Discovering is our business. Pursue the capacity to dream. I've been truly inspired these past two and a half days, the conversations and the wonderful speakers, our honorees, past and present, the young people in this room who will take up the baton and make a difference in the lives of others. My God, the talent. I am so honored to be a part of this event. Uh, I've been thinking that it should not be called the Academy of Achievement, it should rather be the Academy of Making a Difference in the lives of others. Some of you have or will do it in the field of science or medicine, some in the area of law, philosophy, some in government service, others in the area of of, uh, technology or engineering, or perhaps the arts, and that is the sandbox that I've had the pleasure of playing in for most of my life. Uh, it's an arena that mirrors for us all the human condition, speaks to our hearts and to the spirit of hope, and has the ability to touch our very souls. There's a passage that I came across written by Katherine um, Ann Porter, which today I will paraphrase, it's rather long, but in essence She says, when the rubble is cleared away and the dust has finally settled, it is the arts that will survive and define our society. I think it's rather a wonderful statement. I was born in Walton-on-Thames, Surrey, England, and that's a charming country, but as a friend of mine so aptly put it, it badly needs a roof. My, uh, My father, was a teacher and my mother was a fine pianist and uh, when I was four or five years old they divorced. My mother subsequently remarried a Canadian called Ted Andrews and he was a tenor who sang everything from grand opera to popular music and together he and my mother formed a vaudeville act. Now at first of course I didn't like my stepdad very much But when my school closed down due to the escalation of World War II, for reasons that I still don't completely understand, he decided to give me some singing lessons. And perhaps it was partly to keep me quiet, so to speak. Uh, Partly, I suspect, to become a little closer to this new stepdaughter of his. Uh, To their complete surprise, mom and stepdad discovered that I had a freak Coloratura soprano voice. Uh, in, it was incredibly strong with a range of about four octaves and it wasn't long before a wonderful vocal coach had been found for me and I began appearing in my parents' vaudeville act. At the age of 12 the first of three incredible breaks in my life occurred. I made my solo debut on a London stage, and because of that unusual voice, I was an overnight success. And during my teens, I guess I traveled the length and breadth of England several times, playing in the music halls, belting out my own versions of the operatic arias. Formal education, alas, was impossible, and a tutor was hired to travel with me for a while. I guess, I was receiving an education of sorts, uh, albeit not an academic one. I was, however, learning to cope with every kind of theater situation, audiences, drunks in the balcony on Saturday nights, second house, the small pit orchestras, the landladies, good and bad, and I could do a book on the railway stations and the trains that never ran on time. At the age of 18, the second miraculous break in my life occurred when I was asked to go to Broadway in a British musical called The Boyfriend. And a year after that came the offer to appear in the wondrous My Fair Lady. Now, at that point, my performing career nearly came to a screeching halt. I had never done a dramatic role before, and George Bernard Shaw's Eliza Doolittle is one of the loveliest roles that a girl could hope to have, but it's also one of the most difficult and most taxing. And at the beginning of rehearsals, I'm afraid I was hopelessly out of my depth. Uh, I felt that I could ultimately grasp the role, but I didn't have a clue how to go about finding it. I was horribly intimidated by the great actor Rex Harrison, And I knew that if I didn't improve, uh, in all probability, I would be sent back to England. I was fairly sure of that. Our director was a gentle, kind, perceptive, and hugely talented man called Moss Hart. Perhaps he saw something in me that I, at the time, was not aware of. He decided to shut down rehearsals with everybody else, and for a complete weekend, Uh, work with me and what I now refer to as the dreaded 48 hours began. (laughs) Uh, uh, Moss worked with me, he told me we had no time for niceties, he bullied, cajoled, wheedled, pleaded, demonstrated for me and by the end of that very long weekend I had found Eliza Doolittle thanks to him. Afterwards when his wife Kitty asked him how everything went, he said, oh god, he said, she has that terrible British strength that makes you wonder why they lost India. <laughs> <clears throat> That's true. I, um, I performed in My Fair Lady for three and a half years in total. That's two years on Broadway and 18 months in London. And sometime during the British run, an amazing thing, happened to me. I was invited by a close friend to simply, really simply join her for tea uh, before going to the theater for an evening performance. I said rather reluctantly that I should really go home and rest before the show, and she understood. Of course, she said, you have a performance and that is the most important thing of all. Now, this may sound very stupid, but until that moment throughout my career, I think I had sort of been on automatic pilot. Uh, I was doing as I was told, getting the job done, learning so fast on my feet with very little time to assess who I was or what I did. And I must have been absolutely ready to hear my friend's remark, for I suddenly grasped that what I was doing was not about being a good girl or doing it for the family, but that it was all about the giving. And I became aware that I could bring pleasure and joy to others, that I could help them forget for a moment any trials and tribulations they might have at home. I could transport them to another world and hopefully give them a wondrous experience. And that was the moment that everything fell into place for me. Once I grasped the concept that my work was all about the giving, then everything else fell into place. I was able to be disciplined and focused. That defining moment has influenced every choice that I have made since, I believe, and it has taken me to places that uh, I never dreamed about when I was simply a 12-year-old with a freak four octave voice. The third miraculous break in my life came when Walt Disney walked into my dressing room while I was performing in Camelot, and uh, he invited me to join him in Hollywood to do Mary Poppins. Now everybody in this room I know and have seen has been blessed with a great gift. I beg you to honor and respect your talent, listen and learn, retain humility, and remain open to the ideas of others. Remember it is the giving and the loving that sets you apart and on the path of true joy and fulfillment, and it will be, I assure you, returned to you tenfold. I wish you the best that life has to offer, and may you go out and continue to make a difference. Thank you very much.